Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding, whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. Today I'm joined by Tess Peters. Tess is the founder of Been There, an app which allows users to speak with individuals who have had similar body image struggles and mental health struggles to help them feel less alone and to navigate these difficult challenges. Hello, Tess. Hello, Hannah. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Sunshiny days makes my day. Yeah, and it's Friday. Oh, I know. I do feel like it's Saturday. I'm not going to lie. I'm sorry. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Just rubbing it in. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long way. Yeah, it should. Uh, no, I'm good, thank you. I'm actually super excited because uh, I'm going to see Escom 7 this evening, which is awesome. Um, no. So yeah. I'm very, very excited about that. I actually saw them. This is really, really sad, but I saw them when I was four years old. Um, and when they came on stage, I turned my back to them and cried because I, I was like so overwhelmed that Ashley Seven were on stage and I couldn't cope oh. with that. And oh. uh, it was my mum's birthday and we had to go home because I was so distraught that Ashley I don't know why I was distraught. That's just so weird that oh, Ashley Seven were on the stage. I didn't know how to cope. Oh, that's so no, adorable. I just couldn't now you believe really it. Need to, you really need to show your face. <laughs> I know I do. Well, I moment. still have, I still have the top from when I was four, uh, and it, it absolutely drowned me. For it's now crop top, but it does still still fit like rather body. It's just very crop. So I'm wearing it. I don't care what it says. It says, it says 2001 on it. So that's 21 oh, years ago. Which is great. <laughs> Can't wait to see a picture of this. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, yeah, so that's my uh, my activities, so I'm very excited for that. Um, cool. But also so excited to speak to you. I'm loving everything that you're doing. I think being there is amazing. Um, so I guess to start with, do you want to just explain to the listeners what being there is and what it's about? Yeah, so being there is it's, I set it up as a charity and it's an app for people who are struggling with their body image and mental health concerns to chat to somebody who's been in a similar situation. And then all of the people that you can speak to are what I call, we call mentors and they've all been vetted and trained. So I want to make sure it's a safe place and people can have conversations and feel supported. It's like peer to peer mentoring basically. So when I was younger, I was quite overweight and then I want, I've put on a lot of different diets, went to Weight Watchers and all sorts um, by my mother, um, bless her. And I kind of had this obsession with body image. I wanted to be this perfect figure that we saw. And that's kind of how I got into an eating disorder, actually. I watched Desperate Housewives, um, if you remember that programme. And Gabby on the programme says, oh, you can eat the pizza, but just chuck it up after. And I thought, mm. oh my God, what a great idea. You know, young, impressionable. Yeah. Um, so I kind of started dabbling with accidentally an eating disorder without even realising, which got completely exacerbated when I tried to get a job on a on yachts, um, basically on these sailing mansions. Um, and you have to you have to have put your picture on your C V, like it's very image focused industry. Right. And I got interviewed for a job. 
and the woman was like, oh, I'm just going to interview you right now. And I was actually with my friend at the time. And she said, I'm going to choose your friend because you don't fit into the uniform that we've got, Tessa. So I was like, instantly told these stories to myself of like, you're fat, you're never going to get a job unless you're skinny. So that was when my eating disorder just blew out the water. Um, so that was kind of the, yeah, the start of it. And I, and I mean, most of it was most of an eating disorder for me was denial and it and it is for a lot of people isn't it mm. I don't know about you did you feel denial was a big thing I don't know I was thinking about this the other day actually because I think I kind of knew that, that there was something wrong um but I think for me it was it felt like such a long time ago as well that I, I now kind of can't remember I guess there was an element of denial mm. I, yeah. I honestly don't know because everybody around me was worried about their body. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think maybe it wasn't denial. It was just like a normal thing in my life to, to mm. feel like that. Well, I remember telling my sister and I was like, cause I thought it was a clever trick at the beginning. I actually did lose weight at the beginning. That was the worst part of it all, I think. And, um, well, you're starving your body. And my sister was like, you've got a problem. And that's why I instantly thought, oh my gosh, I, I can't be here. Like I need to work away all the time. Like I don't want her to worry about right. me. This, is not, this yeah. is not a problem. This is fine. This is fine. Like I was mm. some sort of robot, you know, not really thinking about all the intricacies of what was going on. I, almost, I always say like, kind of wish that I had warts or something from it. But, and you could tell that you, mm. <laughs> you were going, you were putting your body through that because you can't really see it until it's sometimes almost too late. Yeah. Um, I'm still reaping uh well not reaping the benefits at all <laughs> complete opposite mm. from um from from years of doing that but um yeah realizing I had a problem um took a long time the denial took a it was went on for a long time but when I wanted to get better I wanted to speak to somebody who'd gone through something similar I was searching for this mm. relatability which I which I didn't get from counsellors and therapists but that's fair enough because within they can't actually divulge that they've been there because of their code of conduct. It's illegal. Yeah. And that so so then I needed to find somebody else and it took a long time to find that person because it's difficult to find relatable help. But mm. I ended up going to or finding out about EDA, which is Eating Disorders Anonymous. Mm. And I didn't even know that. I didn't existed. know that was a thing. No. I didn't even know it was a thing either. I didn't know that was a thing, no. That's funny. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people do. Yeah. So there's Alcoholics Anonymous, there's Narcotics Anonymous, there's Eating Disorders Anonymous. And um, from being overseas a lot, I never, um, I never could go. Good excuse. Uh, But then I remember being in London (laughs) and it took a lot of courage to walk through those doors. And it's on a Saturday morning, you do anything rather than be there. But when you, when you go, you can ask for a sponsor, which is what I call a mentor. And that's somebody who's been through the 12 steps program and is here to help um somebody else so I immediately was like yeah I want a mentor I want to sponsor <laughs> even got given one and it was so cool Hannah like I never met him it was free I spoke to him through on the phone and he'd been in a similar situation and sure. without him even saying anything I was like flip this is so amazing and profound mm-hmm. my I didn't feel so ashamed I didn't feel so judged or alone misunderstood all of this just from the pure fact that he had been through something similar so that was when the my recovery really really started 
and that was also when um uh when where being there was born from this power of relatability this ability to find help from someone who's gone through something similar and mm. i was like it's got to be it's got to be accessible so it's got to be an app it's got to be for your phone yeah it should be there should be a charity i think it should be free so i wanted it to set up as a charity which is um quite a process to do uh, i think we should just help you help be able to be helping each other more particularly if you've gone through experience like um yeah the power of shared experience that's our that's mm. our tagline i yeah. think i i think it's such a incredible idea because i completely agree with you like when you're you know, when you're in the depth of an eating disorder or struggling with body image, I think it can feel so isolating because it's just such a, you, you know, it's an experience that you have on your own. Nobody else can feel how you're feeling or kind of they can, I guess you can try and explain it to people, but if they've not <laughs> been there, um, <laughs> then it's, it's difficult. But I also, I think the re reason I really like kind of your approach to it is that I think there's definitely you have to be careful when you're when you have an eating disorder it can be really tempting to reach out to other people that have an eating disorder and kind of mm. you know you you connect to them and you kind of both understand what's going on but I think that can be difficult because you're then like I don't know I, I that's what I did when I had an eating disorder I kind of reached out to people on Twitter and stuff like that and we then became friends and then I mm. neither of us wanted like none of us wanted to let go because was like well will we still be friends once we've not got this eating disorder but I think having mm. somebody that has had the experience of it and is now you know in a better place yes they can mm. empathize with what you've been through but also they are there also to support you to get out of it rather than mm. kind of to sit with you in the hole because that's the experience mm. I had and that made it really difficult to then move away from it yeah that's funny you should say that actually because the mentor, the sponsor, sorry, as they call it, um, that I had ended up going into going back backwards a bit, um, as you do sometimes in recovery, and that's okay. Mm, so he got definitely. told by his sponsor to stop being my sponsor, um, mm. and that was difficult because I felt like I, I, you know, found somebody who can help me, and um, and it was really beneficial, and that kind of made me a bit more passionate and uh, fiery about being there because. Um, mm. I wanted to have that somebody else that I could talk to for a little bit longer. Um, but you don't want to be rely reliant on these people. So it was probably a really yeah. good thing. But um, yeah, it's it it's definitely good to speak to somebody who's yeah, in a better place. But we're very much like we're all still very equal. And I remember speaking to people or seeing people online and it'd be like, I'm recovered. Food is fuel. Like, woo, woo, woo. And I was just like, oh, that's that feels like so far away and that mm. that's really hard to attain um so having someone who feels a bit more like yeah on your on your path mm. is um is important but it's better to speak to somebody who's recovered yeah yeah I suppose that's kind of a question for you is how like at what at, I guess what level of like recovered or whatever would do you want the mentors to be is it something that like you would talk with them talk through with them and stuff because from my experience in previous jobs that I've had that have been related to mental health struggles that I've had there's never really mm. been that conversation and I think if there was one thing I would change about when I've like you know 
gone back to something that I've had experience of so I've wanted to help people is for somebody to kind of ask me honestly where do you think you're at I think that's the one thing that has been missed so far Mm, really really important because you just take it at face face value otherwise or you're just assuming um Mm. yeah it's a big it's a big part of our like application process really so part of they've as a mentor you would join and fill out an application form and then they actually i have calls with all of them um so part that is one of the questions is like where are you at how long have you been in a good place you know what do you do all of those questions that are like what do you do to help yourself what do you find triggering those kind of like delving Mm -hmm. questions to really get them familiar with um how they are and how they act in certain situations being aware being Mm -hmm. self-aware is huge and that's a big part of um coping with an eating disorder really isn't it Mm. being more aware of the triggers and how you deal with them rather than going to your old ways of dealing with them Mm. yeah self-awareness is something that i have been like really (laughs) aware of um lately because i think that like you were just saying self-awareness is such a big part of recovery in that like you know when you were saying earlier about you almost were engaging in the behaviors but you're in denial that there was an issue it almost feels Mm. like now if I am tempted by a behavior or something I'm so aware that I'm doing it it's unbelievable and I'm like I'm like Hannah like why are you doing this you need to stop (laughs) yes and that means that the like duration of it actually happening is is so much shorter because I'm I'm like mm. like Hannah like actual Hannah is like oh my god what are we doing like don't do this like but take so much time to think about why certain things have restarted again whereas before it would just mm. be like well it happened I'll just do it again yeah tomorrow, like it sort of happened so quick well, I remember mm-hmm. feeling the same thing like it felt like it happened so quick like there wasn't and mm. everyone's like oh you could just you know there's this gap of your reactions or how they've yeah previously coped with it and you're and it just feels like impossible how can mm-hmm. i stop before i act on yeah. that thing that i've been doing for so long and so many years and it's just mm-hmm. like automatic you're expecting me to stop yeah. that behavior and mm. it and it actually oddly happens but i just never thought it could happen no and it happens absolutely. by by yeah being more aware slowly but surely growing Mm. that awareness of what you're doing it's funny that you can kind of catch yourself a bit quicker each time in a way um but it takes time takes time and that's fine oh yeah absolutely i think sometimes the i mean obviously you don't want it to take years and years and years but the more time that you commit to it i think often kind of Mm. It means that the kind of skills that you're using get stronger. Um, But it's really interesting, actually, like I'm just thinking about basically, obviously we're we're talking about the topic of body image. And yesterday, so I used to have body dysmorphia. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I have it now, Um, maybe on like very bad days, but I wouldn't say it's like diagnosable. Um, And so Mm. I'd be checking my body, you know, I'd say between 100 and 200 times a day. Like it was constantly get up sit, like from the desk and, and checks and stuff. And I never thought that that would be something that I could stop. I thought that would just be my life, like walking past windows and having to check and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And gradually it did like, you know, it stopped 
like it reduced mm. um and actually yesterday was the first time that I felt like a compulsion to keep going back to check and it was a really weird moment because I was like getting up to check like constantly getting up um in the hope that something would be different and then I just like I changed my outfit like five times mm. yesterday because I felt awful in all my clothes and then I just stopped and I thought oh my god like it's it's like it's happened again like but before yeah. it was just like my norm whereas yesterday mm. it was like whoa like we really need to think about what's happening right now in life to be like why mm. is it that i keep why going back to the mirror to but, that? Mm. yeah mm. it's your way of coping with something yeah mm. flip yeah and and when I, I was thinking about this the other day as well with um yeah, it's like acceptance for where you are as well. So like mm-hmm. wanting to wanting to change what you look like, looking in the mirror constantly um, and not being accepting of what's happening, the feelings that you're having right now. So sitting with those feelings or being aware of those feelings that are going on and finding a different way of, of coping with it. Mm. What would be your strategy instead of, yeah, instead of going to your familiar... So this is what I found really interesting as well, because before, when I was first struggling with the mirror, I thought that the way to deal with it would be to get rid of the mirror. So originally (laughs) I turned the mirror around, put the bathroom mirror in the loft and we weren't allowed mirrors in the house. And I thought that that was the way to manage it. And then I noticed Mm -hmm. that I would be looking at myself in the reflection of the TV or the reflection of the window or whatever. And I realized that actually it it wasn't about removing the mirror because the mirror wasn't the problem. It was the fact that I was like using that as a coping mechanism. And Mm. so what I tried to do instead was to reduce the like amount that I was looking in the mirror. So to still have it there, if I really, really needed it, but to start doing other things that I knew helped me as well. So Mm. one thing I find is so important to me is like feeling socially connected. So Mm. I know that on my low days, if I haven't spoken to anybody, I get so much like reward from speaking to people and that buzz of connection Mm. that because I wasn't having that, I'd look in the mirror to get a buzz of, oh, you're looking good today or to make myself feel bad because I wasn't, looking good that day um so I'd try and like reach out to friends or speak to my partner um and then also getting outside I think getting out so we were speaking about this before we started the podcast but just getting outside sometimes that felt like a compulsion because I also have a difficult relationship with exercise so sometimes I'd just go and sit outside and just like you know be in the sun and just have the sun Mm. um and those like just putting in little things like that rather than running back to the mirror, I think gradually over time helped me to reduce that. Mm, yeah. And making the start to find those things and be aware of it is yeah. pretty huge, very impactful. I yeah. used to think that I'd, or hope that I would wake up and just be cured. It used to be my nightly thought, <laughs> like, tomorrow I'm just going to wake up and I'm going to feel great. Like I'd write diaries and be like, no, tomorrow's the day and I'm going to wake up and I'm going to feel so good. I'm not going to binge, puke, anything. Mm. And it never, ever happened like that. And when I realised that it's just not overnight and you have to keep trying every day. And also sometimes when there are the slip-ups, 
being nice to yourself like that's okay like yes. you know we're gonna have mistakes not being perfect that was so huge for me to not berate myself all the time when I did mm. um I remember um yeah when I was on I was on a boat and I messed up yeah or I, I did I did something that I didn't want to do anymore and I called my cousin and I would never call anyone like I would always mm. be something that I wanted to deal with on my own I'm gonna go do this yeah. on my own no one needs to know mm-hmm. or worry or care I'm a strong person. I will do this. And um, also totally riddled with shame. So I didn't want to talk about what the hell I was doing. Anyway, called her and she was, she, she was so lovely. And she said, this is where the magic is, Tessa. You can, you can just be nice to yourself and say, Hey, I made a mistake. Like, like you would to your friend, like, don't worry. You just messed up. Like you're doing better than you've done before, you know? And, and I really, but you really have to, feel that so deep inside you rather than be like yeah okay right forgive myself oh, oh, oh. um and that, that, was, that was really 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 hard but um really really impactful um mm. finding new strategies being kind to yourself like uh, takes time but what as long you... as we can keep being a bit tr- trying every day keep trying every day what would you say your strategies were when you were trying to reduce those behaviors um actually spending time myself um mm. because I think what was happening mid was for the years 11 years of an eating disorder was like constantly being on million miles an hour who the hell yes. was Tessa I didn't even know I was relying on everyone else to tell me and then um I left a boat and kind of life calmed down a bit because you work quite ridiculously on boats um and I kind of had to reconnect with myself and I did that by sitting with myself um and sometimes it was super painful actually to be honest Hannah it was really painful at the beginning because I moved in with my partner and he works away a lot and and I instantly felt so alone oh my goodness so lonely none of my friends around closest person I knew was like 40 minutes away um and I was just, and I started going into my old behaviours, dabbled with my old behaviours again because it was just familiar and it soothed me. Um, and then, and then I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I had to. What was really going on there was, yeah, not being able to be with myself. I was the minute I was with myself, I would distract myself by in, be, eating, eating or over exercising or something um, other than be with myself. And I had to learn to be with myself and sit with it and cry. And I remember the, like the first one of the times where I just was like, you just have to do this. And yeah, crying and writing. And I think I, I just letting it out and being OK with the feelings that arise. And that takes sometimes a lot of tears, um, sometimes telling somebody about it. Um, so, yeah, with, I'm more open with how I speak about my feelings now because I, I feel like it's okay to talk about it now um whereas I never made it okay before and then nature for me is like so huge (laughs) I just want to be outside like feel the ground touch the trees like a flipping hippie in the lunatic bar I love it feel the sun yeah uh walking cycling um but fundamentally like actually sitting and being with myself is is it's huge because those feelings just kind of dissipate. They do. I, you don't think they mm-hmm. will. 
but they slowly but surely do. And the other side of that anger or frustration or upset is beauty. You just have to sit with that uncomfortable feeling for a bit and and it gets better. Yeah. yeah. I always find... Um... I think the, what you just said about sitting with yourself, like that is something that I would say was like the hardest part for me. Um, mm. Like I actively avoided alone time 100%. Um, like, you know, if, like you saying, if my partner was working away, I'd just go home to my mum and dad. Or like yeah. if, even if it was just like he was going out for dinner with a friend, I'd be like, well, I'm making plans. Like there is no way that I'm going to be on my own. And I don't think I never, what I always find really strange, my thoughts never passed as far as what will happen if I'm on my own. It was just, mm. I knew that being on my own felt so uncomfortable because I'd never really experienced it. Like I'd gone from being an only child at home to then being in a five year relationship and then literally jumping, you know, into another relationship after that. So like you said before, who's Tessa? I had no idea who Hannah was either. So mm. like the sitting on your own is like, wow, that's awful. Oh my God, I don't think that I can do that at all. Yeah, and who who really does it as well? Because it's the phone, oh, so much fun, mm. entertainment, everything right at your fingertips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that that's actually something that I wanted to, I was thinking about that. Um, I don't know what made me think of it, but you just said something before. And I wanted to talk about phones and social media and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I think that's what, when you asked me what were my like strategies for overcoming my body image, um, I forgot to say one thing I did was I didn't come off social media because I still wanted to like be able to talk to my friends and stuff. But I went through and every account that I found difficult, whether that was people I knew in my personal life or whether that was celebrities or whatever. I mm. like well, I unfollowed celebrities obviously, but then like hid people that were in my personal life. But I mean, like both you and I, I mean, I'm making an assumption actually there, but I personally had body image struggles before social media so do you think mm. that it's worsened things or do you think it's just kind of a different way of having things thrown in our face yeah it's definitely worsened things it's definitely worsened mm. things it's it's all about image now yeah and, mm. and there's so much but half nakedness going on online that it's baffling really um mm. Yeah, I think it's a real, it's really scary. And it and to sit down and go through your social media account and unfollow those people, it is so good, so worthwhile doing. But a lot of people don't do it. And it's like this thing where you're, I don't get it, but it weirdly makes you feel crap, but you want to do it. Like you're yes. going to go on it and then you're like, I really want to go on that thing. God, go on yeah. it. And then you, you don't even feel good from it, but you just wanted to do it so badly. It's like that big mm -hmm. red button. Yeah. Why are we doing that to ourselves? And subconsciously as well, we have no idea what's going on when you're seeing all these images, people having a good time, la, la, la. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's scary. And I think we've created a culture um, where we idolise these people online, but actually it's it's even, what's even scarier is we're actually feeding the problem by people being able to make money out of your insecurities mm -hmm. and you know uh, yeah 
I think it's a really scary place. And we and the, also the the problem with it is the external validation that people are wanting. Um, I remember when my my mum's friend said to me that her daughter did a hand uh, cartwheel, and she was like, "My my, look at this, look at this, look at this cartwheel." And then she said to her daughter, "When I was at." Um, uh, sometimes I'm not going to see it, but you've got you can enjoy that yourself. Like, why mm-hmm. can't you just commend yourself for that um, cartwheel handstand, whatever? Um, I just thought, God, that's really cool because that's yeah. what's happening here is we're relying so much. And I'm not going to lie, Hannah, I did exactly the same thing. I was on a boat mm. in Costa Rica and I was showing off. I was parading <laughs> around. And my sister called me when I was there and she was like, you are being ridiculous like what stop showing off think about what how people are actually taking that we're in lockdown mm. you're gallivanting around <laughs> are you actually doing this because you like yeah what, what why are you doing that and I, I love her to pieces because she calls me out and that's what's mm. good at doing that aren't they? and actually that was a real wake-up call for me because I wasn't happy at all and I was completely showing off that I was and not enjoying the moments by wanting to share them constantly so and I wanted that validation I wanted that mm-hmm. even when I, cause I used to be a chef as well any chef of these order yeah I know um <laughs> and I'd take send pictures post pictures of my food and if because if none of the um people that I was serving the food to commented on my food that day or I wasn't around when they would came and ate or whatever I'd then I, I then saw myself sending pictures to my partner, to my family, because I was wanting to give me the validation. Yeah, absolutely. But actually, can we just can we just take a second and be proud of ourselves for just who we are without needing it from other people constantly? Mm. Like that's a process. And if you're if you're doing that from such a young age and you're so used to that way of life, like how are you going to ever develop that? Mm. Like self love, self worth, resilience, self confidence. Yeah. If you're constantly relying on this um, external validation. Mm. I often think as well that the like desire, like you were saying, if nobody had commented on your food, like in person with you, send it to other people. I distinctly remember So when I finished my A-levels, I went off to Cardiff Uni and I was not very well at all with my eating disorder at the time. I shouldn't have gone to uni, but I was like, oh, I am a perfectionist. I'm going to uni. There's no way that I'm taking a year out. Um, and then six weeks in, um, like I had bad health conditions and I ended up going to hospital and I had to drop out of uni and I had an album on Facebook called like Cardiff Uni and I posted everything in there. Like I, it looked like I was having the time of my life. Obviously I didn't post the like hours of crying that I was doing every day because you don't put that on social media. Mm. And I remember coming home and I met up with a friend and I said to her, like, I've had to drop out of uni, you know, like things aren't great. She was like, I'm actually stunned because it, to me, it looked like you were having such an incredible time. And I was so jealous of the time mm. that you were having. And I remember sitting Aww. there and thinking, I never want to do that again. Like, I never want to post to make it look like I'm having a good time and actually I'm having a bad time. And I think that's something I've always tried to do with Full of Beans as well. Is like on the days where I'm feeling bad or I'm feeling low I want to talk about that just as much as like the positives in recovery because I just Mm. think like you said social media nowadays has got so much in it that's not real it's just people like you know with their highlight reel rather than what's actually going on Mm. and it does 
just make you feel awful when you just scroll through. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with a friend the other day, like, oh, you, you're always out. Like, I wish I was out as much as you. And she was like, I look at your life that you put on social media and I want that. And I was just like, oh my God. Like, that's what we're all doing. We're all looking at pictures like, yeah. I wish I had their body. I wish I had their life. And they're doing exactly yeah. the same to you. I've literally got goose pimples thinking about that because it just, it kind of breaks my heart really for mm-hmm. youngsters and yeah um and growing up growing up with that and you can't help but mm-hmm. feel it yourself when people yeah like you say your friends and stuff like what what, what have we done but I, I mean so how can we use it better so how can we help them and how can we mm-hmm. create a a place where we help each other more in a in a in a nice way rather than yeah. a self-fulfilling fulfilling way I think it makes it really hard because editing pictures and posting the best parts of your life and all of that, that's really attractive. Like that, Mm. like when you're actually engaging in it, that feels like a really good thing to do and posting maybe more, you know, more of the truth, um, or, you know, like not sharing every inch of your life on, on Instagram or editing every picture. I think that's quite an uncomfortable thing to do. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not old in the slightest, but I'm 25. Like I feel very out of the like loop of like social media and stuff. And so I'm not cool. Um, so if I'm there like, oh, you know, here's a picture of me, like no filter, whatever, like, my my 13 14 year old niece she's not going to look at me and think oh i want to do the same like she's looking at the girl that's edited Mm. a picture and like Mm. looks stunning and gets all those comments she doesn't want Mm. to see me putting my no filter like not getting any feedback about it so i like i think it's a really difficult thing yeah and then it we made it okay to use the filters and use the botox and get the eyelashes done lips done and and it, we've like normalized it haven't we quite a lot of my friends have started getting botox actually and partly because they've seen themselves on team so much we barely see ourselves at all that's so day. true and, and now we're now like oh god a constant mirror and i, <laughs> and I get it <laughs> but this constant um stuff that we're fed about like you know even protein shakes it's like protein shops or like on every corner yeah where it's all about do better be more 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 better more and it's and yeah it's a multi-billion pound industry and we're feeding it oh my goodness it literally breaks my heart if we're being positive what yes because i feel like i have been so negative come on <laughs> positivity <laughs> um spread it round. <laughs> where can we start to make this better because i feel I like there's a big uh, shift has already happened yeah i'm not i guess not just social media but social media wise is a big topic but um i think we do need to help each other more like we have all these amazing um therapists every mental health work and stuff going on yes there's a lot of waiting lists going on on but um there's a lot of things that are available to us but i think the thing that's missing is our ability to help each other more and and want to help each other more so the 
my plans for being there is I want to be the WhatsApp for mental health, a place where people can talk in confidence to somebody who's gone through something similar, a place where you feel like you can talk about your mental health. And I don't know if we're ever going to be in that situation of having our family or friends or people that we feel like we could turn to about real deep stuff that's going on in our head necessarily. I'd love it to be like that, but I think it's we're a very long way away. Um, and I think that's okay because it's like we saying right at the beginning, it's difficult to find that person who gets it because if I was to talk to my mum about this, she's just like, oh, just, just don't be so silly, just eat food. She doesn't get, she doesn't get it. And that's fine. So imagine where like being able to connect with people who, who did and we could all use our experience to benefit each other. And yeah, that's, that's, that's my way of looking at a solution. Um, yeah. Mm. It's a lot a lot of it is acceptance and resilience and how do you teach that from a young age? Where are these lessons that we can learn and inspirational figures that we can look up to who are embodying that? And I do think we you know, the obviously positivity movement and stuff is get is 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 big and it's great like the way in which there'll be tabloids about fat people going out constantly and now it's like no fat shaming is not okay 100 percent amazing look at the victorian secret models that we're looking at these days compared to when we were younger um but we're we're still we're still a while off because people are still wanting something that they don't necessarily have so how do you help embody acceptance i don't have all the answers hannah but i do think being there is <laughs> i do i was just also thinking being genuine think, as well yeah i think we're in almost a a weird limbo state um like you were just saying there about your mum um maybe not being able to understand like i my mum also has had like body image struggles and um you know or she's thankfully for i would say for the past 15 years has knocked diets on the head which is brilliant um but you know definitely like where she was growing up um i remember her telling me that her mum used to have these toffees and she'd be like that's so annoying that mum can have those toffees like absolutely my grandma can have those toffees and i can't and they were like diet toffees or like laxatives and that was so normal um so I think we're in like a weird place where, I mean, this is how I see it. I'm like my mum's generation, dieting was completely normalised and like it mm. was so regular for you to be on a diet and to be striving to be smaller than what you were. It's almost like now we're like the rebellious generation and we're like, we grew up with that as children, but we do not want that anymore. Um, and then it's like, you know, you would hope then that that would mean that the next generation is like, yeah, like I love my body and, um, or like I at least mm -hmm. accept my body and blah, blah, blah. And I think some are, but I think it's like a weird mm. mix of still striving for the perfection and the smaller mm. body that our generation did. But then it's like a 50 50 split of then like completely rebelling as well. And mm. I, I don't know. Do you agree? Do you think? Mm, I quite like that way of, of thinking about it. And I'd like to see that 
that next generation really taking that in their strides. Mm-hmm. I find it difficult to um, visualise just because TikTok is that generation, really, isn't it? Sure. And that's when you're and that's the problem. dancing in front of a screen. Yeah. What's what's good? What? Sorry, TikTok, but what what's good about TikTok? I do you know what I find really funny about TikTok is that the logo's black. So and for me, I like love colours, and mm-hmm. so if I, when I look at the black logo, I think of a dark place, and I think it is mm. a dark place. Um, and I tried to use it for a bit, a, a bit of people who are like, go on TikTok and try yeah. to give it a go. But I, there's something about just tapping onto that black logo where I just feel like I'm going to get into a black hole. I feel yeah. like it is. I can't remember where I saw it, but I I read an article the other day. I think I saw it on LinkedIn that somebody had written an article about TikTok and um, they basically like were just, they were finding so many tips and tricks on how to diet and how to have an eating disorder and stuff like that. And well, I mean, it just made me so upset because I definitely, I thought we were kind of, I I didn't realise that something like that would be glorified. Um, I found that really Mm -hmm. shocking. But I think the thing that I hate about TikTok the the most and why I have never allowed myself to have it, because I have a really short attention span anyway, but uh, the fact Mm -hmm. that, like, they're such short videos and then you have another one available and then you have another one available, it's like... I know full well that I would get so drawn into that and because you just got that constant but it's like you were saying Mm -hmm. earlier about you know we go I when I'm in a dark place I know I'm in a dark place because I'll go onto somebody's profile that has like in my eyes an ideal body type and I will just be there for like an hour scrolling Mm -hmm. through comparing myself to every single picture and that's what TikTok is it's just a constant stream of an ability Mm -hmm. to compare and I think Mm -hmm. yeah it is it, and it's almost like feeds this, this competitiveness, doesn't it? Like, you know, mm. it's, it, it apparently equates to our credibility, our numbers and followers and likes and everything. And my sister actually doesn't have social media. And it's so cool chatting to her about, like, <laughs> why and what's life like without it. <laughs> She's the cool one. We need to go back yeah. around and we need to be taking a leaf out of her book. But I think I think all of it, like you're saying with your friend, um, you know, wanting your life and this and, and the stuff that we're seeing, the competitiveness and and not, yeah, it, it all comes back to acceptance, doesn't it? Like acceptance of what we look like, acceptance for where we are, acceptance of like, you know, our family, all of the stuff that we can't change, really. And the, in this moment right now, and, and how do you instill that acceptance and uh, for me, I felt, particularly my body image, I felt I had to accept my body image because I actually didn't have my periods for a year and I was in total denial about it. I was like, oh, it's just because of my pill and any excuse, knowing full well what was really going on, but couldn't even admit it, to say it out loud, say it in my head or say it out loud. Eventually I did to um, a doctor and they were like, right, I think you know what you need to do here like you need to recover like be in recovery and you're not because you're not wanting to let go of the diet you're not wanting to let go of the habits you're not wanting to let go of wanting to be smaller and and that was and there I had to I realized like I guess I had to take my body and myself a bit more seriously like you this is your one body and you're now in a 
your body body's not functioning and you're a woman and you now can't have any children tessa do you want children well yeah i do and it all got very real very quickly very scarily and um and i guess i you know that was years of self-harm wasn't it that was years of self-hate so there was a turning point there where i had i felt like forced into self-acceptance i felt like forced like i had to I had to accept myself right now um but how can we make it easier for people to accept themselves i think a lot of it is yeah not striving for this being happy with what you've got like being grateful be like getting to know yourself being with yourself and acknowledging those good bits of you and also those bad bits they're great too <laughs> yeah um, um and that that's that's the journey but that's a journey that we all need to be on if we're going to be using social media in a in a safe way and not using it in a way that's going to be harming us, which it seems to be doing more than we have any idea what's going on right now. It's mm. absolutely horrific. Um, mm. And I do think that it's, it's yeah, it's, it's an unsafe place if you're not feeling that kind of level of acceptance. It doesn't have to be love for yourself, but <laughs> acceptance feels like a start. Yeah. I think that's one thing um i mean maybe i could maybe i'll ask you for your if you have any advice with this but because you just were saying about like you know not being able to house a child and get pregnant and stuff one thing i found really hard is being able to see the bigger picture of things so um mm -hmm. you know being told well you know if you carry on like this you might not be able to have a child and stuff I can't in my head rationalize that that's a possibility because that's in the future. That's not right now. Whereas, um, you know, taking a picture of myself and looking, you know, the way that I desire, that's an instant, like I've got that right now. And so if I'm being completely honest, I think for, for me, that's often what's kept me in this kind of cycle of it is that I get instant rewards from that. Whereas thinking about the bigger picture and recovery in long term, that's a long term mm. reward, and my brain doesn't work like that. Uh, so I totally you... agree, Hannah, and that's why you know it had to knock me over the head and, mm -hmm. and have a year of no periods to to really, 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 really realize mm -hmm. that. And it's a shame that it had to happen that way. But um, but surely it's not. It's like what's it costing you right now? Like doing what? I, I equally did not see the bigger picture, and people would. Mm. I'd know that I wouldn't be able to like people would say you couldn't have children I was like of course I can like everything's gonna be fine like I'm fine it's all fine in this moment it's fine it's not fine at all but if somebody did did kind of say to me like what is it costing you like what is your eating disorder what is your obsession with body image costing you well okay it's costing me all of my flipping headspace every single <laughs> ounce of my headspace is about what have you eaten today what you what do you look like today what did your belly look like first thing in the morning Oh, how many calories have you eaten? Oh, what have you exercised today? Oh, you're under-exercised, you've got over -exercised. All of these, these that took up all my headspace. I had no room for anything else. It cost me my relationships from basically, I think, being selfish, to be quite honest. It was quite a selfish uh, time of my life. Like, it was all about wanting a better body image, wanting to be accepted was basically what it came down to. And And then it also was work like i just felt like it costed me my whole entire life and mm. um and i think when you can work out if that's if what's going on for you right now is worth it is it what it's costing you 
I mean, you've got to have some reality, surely, mm-hmm. to work out that if it is or if it isn't. But I mean, if somebody was to ask me in that moment where I did think, yeah, I'm going to be able to have children or I don't need to think about that yet. But what is it costing you right now? Well, actually quite a lot. And I don't want it to be mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, listening to you say all of that then, it's like, wow, yeah, like it does really dip into so many parts. But I think when you're in it, in the moment, you just, you it's almost, there's an excuse for that. Like, you know, oh, well, you know, it's affecting my relationships, but like, you know, they'll still be there. They're not going anywhere. Um, mm. and, and, you know, I think for some people that is true, but I lost a lot of friends. Um And I don't think even when I lost them, did I realize that the reason was because I was so focused on everything on the eating disorder rather than everything else. Mm. So then surely it's about making life about others because it's quite an insular thing, isn't it? Mm. You're, you're so in your own head, you're so wanting something for yourself, perhaps that when you're Mm. wanting something for somebody else, it's that's, that's pretty special and it gives your focus outside of yourself and you know when you're helping somebody whatever it may be it comes back around it feels good Mm. it feels good too so you know like your podcast and things that you've done to help other people those those must have had an imprint on Mm. on those feelings yeah yeah I think um I don't know I've I've kind of always been of the opinion that um, in the same sense of, you know, when we were talking about earlier with like the mentor and stuff and, and, you know, having that incredible relationship, but not almost not wanting to be reliant on that person because if, you know, they have mm. their own life as well and they might have their own struggles. I think initially when it comes to, and this is just my personal opinion, because I, I know that I'm a very reliant person and I, I like other people's reassurance at the start i was like i'm gonna do this for my partner so that we can have a good life together and i'm gonna do this for my mum and dad because they've been through a lot with me and that really helped mm. start with but there came a point where i thought hmm i think i've got to do this for myself now like doing it for them didn't feel quite enough and i think that mm. point also coincided with getting comfortable in, in like in who I was and working out who I was and spending time on my own. I think um, initially it was like a really good kickstart to be like, I'm going to do this for others and stuff. And then it was like, mm. yeah, we're the, I'm like the only person that's going to be with me forever. So might as well mm. start to get to like myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really nice. And it is a nice way to start it really, but it does mm. come down to us doesn't it and people you know people can love us as much as they can but we also need to be able to give ourselves that yeah but give me goose pimples (laughs) (laughs) well i think that is a wonderful way i think we we hit the positivity there at the end which was really nice we did we did we got we got there in the end um (laughs) but just a bit more about being there um because i'm sure people will be super duper keen and interested to get involved so how can anybody and everybody get involved with being there so if you are going through some body image struggles and that that can all encompass a lot comparing ourselves not feeling comfortable in our own skin disordered eating eating disorders 
um, then please you can download the app from the App Store or Play Store and chat to a mentor. We're now piloting it, so we have spaces available for mentees to be mentored. Um, and yeah, they're they're all lovely human beings who <laughs> just want to help, and they're all volunteers. So I mean, that says something when they're volunteers giving up their time to help each other. Like lovely, the healing power of shared experience. <laughs> and um, secondly, would be mentors. We will. We'll be looking for new men- for more mentors from um, to launch in September. So if you have struggled and you feel like you'd like to give back, and um, and we do we vet, um, but we also do a training course. Awesome. Uh, so we want so you know if you don't feel like you're you, you know what to say or you know what uh, you don't feel like you might not have the right skill base or something yet, um, that's something that we provide to ensure that. And then, um, as we are a charity, donations are always lovely. Um, <laughs> it keeps us going. It keeps us being able to train, vet, well, sorry, recruit, vet, and train more mentors to be able to help more people. So, um, yeah, always looking for donations or people who want to get in touch. Uh, info at beentheirapp.com. Awesome. And do you have social media and a website if people want to check it out? Yeah, so um, our website uh, is pretty cool, actually. I quite like it. It's <laughs> www.beentheirapp.com. Honestly, have you checked it out, Hannah? I, I have, yeah. Do you like the ripped piece of paper? I, oh, I love it, it yeah. A bit of a I think it's r- really cool. It's bit, really cool layout. It's a bit different. Yeah. An image an image is really difficult to kind of interpret. Mm-hmm. Everyone interprets an image very differently of a human. But I, I kind of went into it with scraps of paper and yeah. words and um, it's all a, a bit of an amalgamation of my mind. Mm-hmm. So enjoy. And <laughs> with the, <laughs> the Instagram is beenthere.app. Cool. Amazing. So come check us out. And I'll put that all in the show notes um, for easy access for everybody. But thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And it also, it just felt so timely as well with like, this week being a bit of a difficult body image week so it's really nice to have this chat today and yeah and kind of be fresh and a good conversation nice thanks hannah it's been lovely thank you for my first ever podcast (laughs) (laughs) if you enjoyed listening today you won't want to miss next week's episode so be sure to subscribe Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support, they can be recovered from. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support or talk to someone you trust.